Jesus commands us to be anxious about nothing. Seems impossible, doesn't it? But it shouldn't be a surprise. Every command he has given us is something that we cannot do without depending on his grace. Welcome to Talk Truth, a McGregor podcast where we dive into scripture, gain insight from community, and biblically answer life questions. Talk Truth will answer life questions submitted by our listeners every other week. If you have a question for Talk Truth, you can submit your questions on our website. I'm your host, Chloe Weimer. Let's open the word, gather together, and talk some truth. joined by Dr. Ron Cook, a licensed mental health counselor here in Fort Myers, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again on Talk Truth. My pleasure. This is actually your third time on a McGregor podcast, so thank you. If you haven't uh, heard any of the episodes he's been on before, you can check out one of the earlier episodes in the Here at Home podcast. And in last week's episode, we talked about depression. This week, we are going to be talking about anxiety. And if you miss those episodes, especially the one on depression, I highly encourage you to go back and give it a listen. Um, I know that I learned a lot, and I'm sure that you probably could benefit from it too. Um, before we open up and talk about anxiety, I'm going to pray. So let's go to the go to the Father, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk truth and to uh, just learn from your word through um, someone that has the wisdom to teach others. And I just ask that we gain something from it. Um, Let us not be guided by our experiences, but to interpret our experiences through the lens of scripture. In Jesus name, amen. People throw around the term love a lot like I love Oreos or I love pizza or I love my significant other. Um, And the weight of it means different things, especially for different people and in different contexts. And I've seen the same thing happen with the word anxiety. And so um, even with like friends or sometimes my students, they'll walk into class and they'll say like, I'm so anxious. You know what I mean? Um, But what does anxiety actually mean? Can you help us define it? That's a great question and a complicated question. Um, <laughs> That's what so I do. <laughs> let's see if we can unpack it a little bit. Um, anxiety is another one of those words that's that's just, it's really general. It's not so much a clinical term. And so therefore, kind of like a lot of words, they only have meaning as we give them meaning. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when I'm talking to somebody who says I'm anxious, I've got to ask a lot of questions to try to understand what do you mean by anxious? But if we want to start with a formal definition, I'm going to give you the long, boring Go for it. clinical definition, is that anxiety is an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often marked by physiological signs like sweating, tension, increased heart rate, by doubt concerning the reality and nature of a threat, and by self-doubt about one's capacity to cope with it. So again, long, complicated, boring. But what's it getting at? All right. It's I am afraid of something that has not happened yet. Mm -hmm. And I want to do something to try to avoid that because I'm not sure I can handle it. And so if we're really looking at anxiety kind of in a nutshell, it's fear coupled with avoidance. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of something and I want to do whatever I can to avoid that because I don't know that I can handle it if my worst fears come true. 
Another way of thinking about it is simply anticipation of a future threat. Yeah. And so it's always kind of forward thinking. So that's kind of a general idea of anxiety. Now, when people start talking about anxiety and saying they feel anxious, sometimes they're talking about anxious thinking. So they're having thoughts that are just distressing to them. Um, they're scared by them. Mm-hmm. Um, or they could be talking about something like obsessive thinking, where they have a thought that just kind of keeps going over and over and over and ruminating on it. Uh, and sometimes when people say, I'm feeling anxious, they're referring to physiological things. They're saying, I feel jittery, mm-hmm. you know, or like my heart rate is increasing, or I'm breathing real shallow, or I'm sweating profusely, yeah. uh, or whatever hives. it may be. Yes, <laughs> I get hives. hives when I'm anxious. Yeah, all sorts of things. And so it really is such a general term that we have to ask questions to try to understand what does each person mean yeah. when they're saying, I feel anxious. That makes a lot of sense. Is there a difference between anxiety and worrying? There are several words that I would say are at least partially synonymous with anxiety, worry being one of those. Is it exactly the same thing? Uh, I would say that anxiety is more of an umbrella term, Mm -hmm. and then there's other terms that are underneath that umbrella, such as worry. Again, worry is always focused on the future. It's worrying about something that has not happened yet. I think that it's generally because I'm a clinician and I think like that, I think of worry as a little less severe than anxiety as a whole. But there's other words that go with that too, things like stress, uh, things like obsessing. Uh, All those sorts of terms can be synonymous with anxiety, but they could also be pointing to something slightly different depending on the context in which we're using it. Okay. Now, in the depression episode, we talked about uh, the difference between the spiritual and the physical with depression. And so I have the same question with anxiety. Is anxiety more of a physical or a spiritual problem? Yes. Just like (laughs) last time. Same answer. I I will elaborate a little bit differently on anxiety um, because it's it's yes to both. Because again, everything at its core has a spiritual component to it. Mm -hmm. Because we were created by God, we were intended to live, you know, in, in a world that was not corrupted by sin. And yet we live in a world that is corrupted by sin. And so our bodies have been corrupted by sin too. So there's a physical component there. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes in anxiety, it really is a very physical thing that has to be treated as such. But I would say that anxiety, probably a bit more so than depression, I see a lot more spiritual influence hmm. because we, we get anxious. One of the things that can you know, cause us to be anxious is when we lack trust in God or we're refusing to submit to God's plan for our lives. Mm, that yeah. generally shows up, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with circumstances that I'm not real thrilled about right now. You know, I realize that I've got to face some hardship. I've got a medical diagnosis that I wish I didn't have. I got to go to the doctor or got to do a procedure, whatever it is. I don't like that. And I want to fight back against it. Hmm. And so Jerry Bridges in his book, Respectable Sins, says that in that kind of a situation, anxiety is our refusing to submit to God's plan for our lives. Wow. I have seen, especially among young people, um, it's kind of like a stamp of honor to have a lot going on in your life. And it's been something that's like, oh, it's okay to say that you are anxious, you know, or that you have a lot going on and you've like busied yourself up with things. And if you're feeling that way, so we've just kind of dismissed it. Sure. And so that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scroll down here to a quote that I love when it comes to this issue. Um, and this is from Dr. Archibald Hart. Uh, and he actually said this way back in 2001. 
So 20 years ago, we were talking like this. I can only, you know, draw the comparison of how much different things are now. Hmm. But 20 years ago, he said, why is there such a dramatic rise in the incidence of anxiety disorders? In a nutshell, many people live too disconnected, carry too much debt, and live at too fast a pace. People were designed to travel at a camel's pace, <laughs> but they behave like supersonic jets running constantly on a supercharged stream of adrenaline. They end up paying for this abuse with worry and anxiety. Wow. And so you're to, to your point there, he's basically saying, trying to pile so many things onto our lives, we're abusing ourselves. Yeah. And then when we're abusing ourselves, the end result of that is anxiety and worry. Yeah. It makes me think of be still and know that I am God. You know, if we're supposed to travel at a camel's pace, you know, or I don't know if that's how we're a supposed to, like we, we, if we're supposed to at least slow our lives down, right. be still and know. And when we cause ourselves, when we, when we do, when, when we, I can't talk, when we are still, it causes us to remember his sovereignty and just remembering that he exists and that he is he works all things together for, for his glory and the good of those who love him. And it's going to cause us to have ease when you remember the whole world is in his hands. Right. I do. Do you remember the song, his eyes on the sparrow? Sure. That's one of my favorite songs. I, when I'm, when I'm feeling like my life is just out of my control and it is out of my control, it's in God's control. And that's the best, that's the place that it needs to be. Um, but when I really need to remind myself of, of that, I sing that a lot. I love that song. Um, but when people tell me, let's, let's use the hypothetical me. When people tell me to stop work, when people tell me to stop worrying, but I feel like I can't, how do I deal with it? So people tend to have good intentions. (laughs) Um, but but their good intentions always don't translate into helpful yeah. you know suggestions. And I think sometimes people say things just because they're trying to think of some way, you know, to be helpful, to not feel helpless. Yeah. You know, or not to feel useless. Or just because so, it's like awkward when somebody's yeah, telling you their sure. problems and you're like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> if you don't know what to say, please don't say anything. That's true. Just pray. That would be a lot more effective in That's most very, cases. Yeah. Um but so, so first of all, you know, when somebody says something like that, I mean, try to have a little grace with them, understanding that they're probably not intending to, to hurt you, though that might have been a very hurtful thing mm-hmm. to hear. And then I would say, you know, one of the things I tell my clients all the time is you can't outthink stinking thinking. <laughs> and so really what people are saying when they say, you know, just stop being anxious is, you know, just change your thoughts, just think differently. Well, if I knew how to do that, don't you think I would have done it by now? Yeah, right. You know, and so... It, it makes you feel really misunderstood yeah. that, that the person who's telling you this doesn't really understand what you're dealing with and how hard it is to do that. Yeah. And part of that is because we can't just say, okay, I'm going to think differently and that's going to fix it. Anxiety is one of those things that we can only uh, really change with behavioral change. We have to engage in specific behavioral changes in order to basically shift the gears. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of neuroscience behind that that your readers, your, your listeners probably would not be entertained by. So we'll we'll avoid that for now. But just know (laughs) that in order to get out of anxiety, out of that trap, we have to change our behavior, not just our thinking. It kind of makes sense that they would feel like like that nobody understands them and how I could see that leading to depression because if nobody understands when you're anxiety, then you're going to feel isolated 
in that emotion, which leads you to feeling hopeless with what, with exactly what we just talked about with depression last week. Um, now because God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses, what attributes of his should we cling to when it feels like everything is out of our control? Well, first I would say life is always out of control, uh, at least out of our control. Mm-hmm. This, this idea that, you know, my life is in control when things happen to be going the way I want them to be going right now, temporarily, is really an illusion. Um, and so we, we need to practice this skill even when things are going well, so that it's there for us when we need it when things are not going so well. Yeah. But whether things are going good, whether things are going bad, I would, I would definitely focus on God's sovereignty, focus on the fact that he, he created us, He created everything in the world, and He is powerful enough to accomplish all of His holy will for us and for the entire universe throughout all time. That is so reassuring to me, to know that I, I'm always within His sovereign control, that I yeah. can't get out of bounds so far that He loses His grip on me. Mm-hmm. To me, that's so comforting. I would focus on His grace. I would focus that you know, though my body and my mind are, are corrupted by sin, though I constantly fall, I get anxious, I worry, I don't like it, I feel like I'm disappointing God, that His grace is sufficient for that. Hmm. That no matter how many times we struggle, He says, my child, I paid the price for that on the cross. Yeah. You know, and so focus on His sovereignty, focus on His grace, focus on His goodness, that that He is a good, loving Father, that that is not His desire to, you know, just smite his children, yeah. you know, because they're struggling, but that he understands our sufferings. He understands our struggles and he wants to love us through those things, hmm. not reject us because of them. Yeah. And those emotions that we feel, the anxiety and oftentimes the depression, they could lead us to him instead of, of like from him. Sure. And if he's in control of everything, trusting that he has control of your emotional state too, your your mental health and your well-being. And so he has a hand in everything. And even though it doesn't make sense, he does, again, like I said before, everything for his glory and our good. And maybe our good is to be in that valley to know him deeper. Absolutely. So um, Christ does command us though to not worry and if that's an imperative statement that it's a command does this mean when i am worrying that i'm sinning so first of all let's let's talk about how sin affects us Um, because i think we have to look at it again holistically big picture sin affects us in three different ways first of all we're affected by our sin nature Hmm. this is just the reality of being born in the lineage of adam being infected with sin and so to that point Sin is always the problem. Yeah. It is always, you know, the, the core problem that we're dealing with. So there's our sin nature. And, and one way to think about that is like white noise. It's always in the background. It's always affecting us, but it might not be super loud all the time. Hmm. And then there are sin acts, the specific sin acts that we engage in. And you can think of this as like turning up the volume. You know, it's getting loud now. I'm doing things intentionally that I know are wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's cranking up the volume. And then the third way that sin affects us is the sins of others. You could think of this as like living in a noisy world. And so sometimes I, I may suffer tremendously through no sin of my own. Like Job. Yes. But just the result of living in a sinful world, being affected by other people's sins. Yeah. Um, and so we have to be mindful when we're talking about what is the role of sin in a mental health issue. Okay, there's three different ways it could be playing a part. 
It's definitely one of those. Mm -hmm. But what most people are asking when they ask that, is it sin? Is it a sin act that caused this? Or is the anxiety itself a sin act? And the question is, maybe. Um, (laughs) Is it caused by specific sin acts? Sometimes. Sometimes we can be engaging in repetitive sinful patterns that lead to distress. Hmm. And we need to change those behaviors in order to remove that distress. Um, God may use that to get our attention. And then sometimes, and then we look at anxiety in general. Is it sin? Well, yes, because God's will is for us to not be anxious. Therefore, it is a sin issue, but it may not always be tied to specific sin acts. Yeah. Our emotions aren't necessarily truth, but they can be indicators. You know, we can't follow your heart. You can't follow how how you feel to be what's true, but they can show you, like God can use your body in the way that you're feeling to show you when things are off. Sure. You know, I think, I think often of, of David's prayer, you know, God, show me the depths of my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's expressing a reality there that none of us always knows exactly what all is inside of us. Yeah. And so I think of our emotions more like a thermometer. Uh, when we ask someone, what are you feeling? It's like checking your temperature. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a fact that we necessarily need to challenge or fix. It's just saying, what's the temperature right now? Yeah. And if the temperature points to a problem, then we need to go investigate what's the real problem here. Yeah. And in Psalm 51, like David says, um, a broken heart, oh God, you will, I think it says a broken heart, a broken heart, oh God, you will not despise. Mm-hmm. God wants us to bring him everything and just lay it at the cross. And so maybe that looks like just praying and having the windows up in your car and just like yelling, you know, and, sure. and just being completely raw with your emotions. If you're, if you're going to your father, with your with your issues it's because you trust him you know and so that's what he wants us to do right um but how do we differentiate from it being a potential medical problem or just it being typical worrying because i i we focused a lot on the spiritual sure but there are some bodily problems with anxiety actually there's quite a few Uh And, and again not just Anxiety, you know, we have a diagnosis, general anxiety disorder, you know, it's kind of a catch all, but there's a time frame that leads up to that diagnosis. And so one of the things we want to look at is how long has this been going on? Yeah. And just like we talked about with depression, is this affecting my daily life? But there's some other things to look for too, because, you know, everything that looks like anxiety may not necessarily just be anxiety. For example, some people deal with phobias. Uh, and so if you're dealing with a phobia, you know, be that agoraphobia, fear, fear of being out in public places, you know, or you're dealing with arachnophobia, you know, fear <laughs> of spiders or whatever it may be. There's so many of these phobias, you know, we couldn't possibly discuss them all. But if somebody's dealing with something like that, they're going to need specific help with a clinician who knows how to help with that. Or it only gets worse because remember that anxiety can be thought of as fear coupled with avoidance. Once I'm afraid of something, I'm going to go out of my way to avoid it. And when I try to avoid it, it makes it worse. Wow. The fear continues to increase because I'm avoiding it. My, my hope in being okay is placed in my ability to avoid what I'm afraid of. Yeah. So something like that, you're definitely going to need to talk to a clinician that can help with that. Same thing with obsessive compulsive behavior or obsessive thinking. Um, we now know that, you know, the, the field of, of psychology and neuroscience has changed a lot. Over, over the last 30 years especially. Uh, Daniel Amen 
is, is a well-known Christian psychiatrist um, who is kind of the first to say, you know, the brain is the only organ that we treat without looking at it. Hmm. And so he started this practice of using fMRI scans to actually look at people's brains when they were dealing with an issue like anxiety, depression, wow. or something else, to see what's going on in the brain. And so now our field has changed a lot because now we can actually take a picture and, and know what's happening in someone's brain, for example, with OCD. And now we know that there are physiological issues that are in the brain where things are not working the way that they should. Mm-hmm. And, and you, can, you can do whatever you want, but until you address the physiological issues there, nothing's going to change. Yeah. So again, sometimes we want to look at how do we differentiate time. We want to look at severity. We want to look at... What's this? What's what's the overall impact in my daily life? And finally, the best thing, if you really don't know, you're still unsure, just talk to somebody. Yeah. Talk to a clinician. Ask them, hey, help me understand what's going on with me. They're going to be the best person that can help you make sense out of it. Yeah. If you know of a friend who is struggling with anxiety and you see these symptoms, don't... Um, be silent and just watch them struggle. You could point them to scripture. You could pray with and for them. And um, if you if you see those continual issues, don't be afraid to um, speak truth and say, like, this is what you need to do. Maybe maybe you need to talk to somebody. Don't be afraid to do that um, because it's for their benefit. And that's the most loving thing that you can do. So thank you so much, Dr. Cook, for joining me on this Talk Truth episode. If you missed the first episode, I encourage you to go back and gain some insight on our conversation on depression. Um, And I just want to close with, uh, we are to depend on God's grace for every breath and every decision that we make. Every time we feel overwhelmed, he knows that we can't do anything in life without him. And he has made us to bring our concerns to him, to the cross. And he doesn't care. He, he knows that um, he knows what we're going through, no matter how big or how small. And he, he loves us, so he cares. We can trust that he's created the world to display his glory. And he's given doctors um, like Dr. Cook the wisdom to know how to treat and, and handle that, how to talk to people. And so seek help if you, if you or someone is if you or someone that you know is struggling with anxiety. Thank you so much, listeners, for listening to this Talk Truth episode. We want to know, what have you learned from today's episode? How has God challenged you, and how will you apply what you have learned? Again, if you missed that first episode on depression, go back and listen to it. If you haven't yet connected with us online, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and be sure to check out our other McGregor podcast channels. Just head over to talktruthpodcast.com for all the details. We would love to hear from you, so write us a review however you're listening to this. Thank you for listening and remember to talk truth.